0: There's a lot of benefit to
1: this cultural practice. If you have more than two children, they pretty much see you as a superhero. Hi, I'm Jacqueline
0: Carmen, and I'm a certified breastfeeding counselor.
1: And I'm Ruth Green, an international birth doula.
0: And this is the Having a Baby in China podcast. As a reminder, nothing shared on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. One should always seek advice from their own medical provider.
1: Hey, Jacqueline, how are you? Good, good. How are you, Ruth? I'm doing okay tonight. So what were we thinking tonight? Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about the top five things that you need to know for having a baby in China. Whether you're bringing a baby over or whether you're pregnant here, a lot of these can apply to any of that. So Jacqueline is going to share her five and I'm going to share my five, but we haven't told each other what our five are. We're going to start out with Jacqueline, you're going to give your first and then we'll go from there.
0: Okay. First, I want to say that they're not like prioritized. like this is the number one. It's just kind of what came to my head first. I would say that someone that's coming going to be having a baby in China that they should know pregnant women are seen as fragile meaning like they should rest a lot and not mm, overexert yeah. themselves and even just prop up your feet and sit on the
1: couch yeah that's that's a really good one I kind of wish I'd written that down <laughs> <laughs> know why Uh, but yeah I mean I just remember it was the first time that I started hearing the term manzo like everywhere I went was when I became pregnant it was like every single person said to me anytime they saw me oh manzo manzo which means like go slowly and I was like what now I hear people say it a lot so it's possible that I was just kind of sensitive to that at the time but it definitely was this feeling of nobody wanted me to do anything ever I remember with my second (laughs) I remember with my second, we found out I'm really bad at keeping a secret, just just so you know. So we we I found know out to
0: tell you my
1: secret. <laughs> well, that's not true. I'm good at keeping other people's secrets. I'm really bad at keeping my own. So you know, the whole like wait till the second trimester to tell anybody that you're pregnant. Yeah, that that never really worked very well for me. So we became pregnant with our second child, and then we told the school pretty early. I want to say like five or six weeks. And then we had this school trip and it was in early October, but it was a weird year where it was still really warm. And it was this, this like all staff retreat. Were you there? No, you had already left Qingdao at the time. And they had the opportunity to try windsurfing. And I had done windsurfing one time before and I loved it. So I was like, all right, I'll go windsurfing. And the entire local staff was like freaking out on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Because here I am, they all know I'm pregnant and I'm out there windsurfing, falling off the board, you know, over and over and over again into the water. You know, I don't know that I would recommend to people that you go windsurfing in your first trimester or maybe when you're pregnant. Definitely ask your doctor first. But it felt safe for me and I chose to do it. But everybody was very worried about it.
0: Yeah. So I mentioned this, I think, because it is, like you said, you know, people, when they know that you're pregnant, they're like, oh, you want to be careful. And so on some days I would feel annoyed, like, oh, I'm I'm just pregnant. Like my body is made to carry a baby. Like I'm fine. I can do this and that, or, you know, go for a walk or run or whatever, you know, because I was doing that before I was pregnant. Right. But actually I traveled back to America During one of my pregnancies, and I was obviously pregnant, and I actually missed all the pampering.
1: I was like, It's it's true. Don't you see I'm pregnant? (laughs) Like, I should get some special treatment. Random stranger, you're not gonna carry my bag? (laughs) (laughs) Like, aren't you gonna let me cut in line because
0: I'm pregnant?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I remember that with my first pregnancy. It's funny that you say that half of it because that actually applies to my last one that I wrote down, which I wrote, the care and attention that you receive is because they are trying to show that they care. Yeah. It really can be annoying and frustrating and feel like what business of it is yours, but they are really showing that they care. Like it would, in their eyes, it would be seen as rude, like extremely rude. (laughs) To not say something, even though you're just a random stranger on the street, kind of alongside that is that culturally, it's still very embedded in the culture that the older generations are supposed to pass down the knowledge to the younger generations. And so I definitely don't feel this in my culture in America. I think that I personally have kind of a culture of like, who are you to say anything or think that you know anything just because you've lived longer. But here, there's very much that idea that your older sisters, your your aunts, your grandmas, everybody are supposed to give you this knowledge. That's their entire job in life at that point. And so, yeah, they like if like I said, if they if they didn't say anything, it would be incredibly rude.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to tie into some of my other ones that I've said. But remembering just like if you study cultures and you see. You know, comparing different cultures. China is definitely a communal culture where America, which is where I grew up, is a very individualistic culture. And so you see this in every day.
1: Like,
0: they see this as we are community. We look out for each other. Even though I don't actually like we're not – I don't really know you and we're not related – It's still my their responsibility, my responsibility to be looking out and bring up concerns that I see like, hey, you know, and say whatever it is that they're going to (laughs) say.
1: You know, you're not supposed to be windsurfing (laughs) when you're six weeks pregnant. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay. what's your next one?
0: So along that cultural piece that I was just saying as their community looking out for each other, you need to be prepared that they're going to say your baby is cold. (laughs) They're going to it's just I've kind of accepted it as like small talk, like you go outside and you're like, oh, how's the weather? How are you doing today? And by the way, your baby's cold. (laughs) It's just a cultural piece. I mean, I've even tried to embrace the, like, you know, they love, like, these big blankets and these big puffy, although I do see less and less, but (laughs) puffy coats. Yes, puffy, yeah. And they... Yeah, snowsuits, yeah. I'm like, I have this baby bundled up so much, there's no way any IE or...
1: (laughs) Nai is going (laughs) to tell (laughs) me. It's true, we... We try to meet their yeah. expectation, don't we? Right? Like, we're like, okay, I'm doing a really good job but at no, this. They, oh, your baby's cold.
0: <laughs> oh, make sure. And, and so, I don't know. I had to, oh. you know, I had a baby. I actually had three babies here. And then I went back to my home country and then I came back. And actually, I was able to come back and have a much better outlook and perspective. And I could appreciate like, oh, they're doing it out of the kindness of their heart, teaching me yeah. and, you know, just looking out for me. So anyways, I think just being prepared yep. for them to say, you need to wear more clothes. Your baby needs more blankets. Your your, your baby's cold. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I have a little bit of a story about that that kind of goes into my next item. So my next item is that everybody will want to hold touch, take pictures yes. of your baby, Very everything. True. And the story that relates is that- I can't
0: believe I didn't write that down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the story I want to share is like, I do not know how many times with my first child that they would literally like- pull up her pant legs and count how many layers of pants she had on. And I'd have two or three layers of pants. And they'd be like, oh, she only has two or three layers of pants on. But one, I thought, why are you touching my child? (laughs) And two, I'm like, she has two pairs of pants on. (laughs) So, yes, again, yeah, like talking about the care and attention is because, you know, they really want to show they they care, but also – They will want to touch and hold and take a million pictures of your babies.
0: Yes, definitely be prepared. If especially like a Caucasian or a black child will draw a lot of attention, even like mixed Mm -hmm. Asian with Caucasian, they draw a lot of attention and they're just curious. And so it can be overwhelming as the mother and also as your child gets a little bit older my daughter has blonde hair and so they're just so curious about that and my friend's baby Mm -hmm. or child has you know super curly hair and they're just like they
1: they're so curious and want to touch it and yeah yeah a hundred percent I agree with that I think that it's really important that each family kind of create their own family policy about this and let it be dynamic and change, right? So like being intuitive with your child and what what they feel. You know, my my first child, she always loved everybody and she was super happy to smile at everybody and wave at everyone. And if she seemed comfortable, I would sometimes let them hold her. But my second child was very much against this and he he felt really overwhelmed by it. And so we were much more protective of him and would be much firmer with strangers about whether they could look at him or take his picture as soon as they're old enough we give them the choice i mean again this is just what our family does and everybody can do it differently but we give our kids the choice of whether somebody can take Mm -hmm. a picture of them or not so i don't ever force my kids you know okay smile for this camera but i make sure that they are addressed and that they are asked if they want to have their picture taken and if they say no then i just tell this person that they can't take a picture so
0: yeah and typically they're usually accommodating too. like
1: oh okay yeah we won't won't Mm -hmm. take the Mm -hmm. picture (laughs) i will say you might not know where the pictures will end up (laughs) (laughs) we uh, had an entire news article written about us it was kind of more of an advertisement i think than a news article but it was in the newspaper we showed up at our jobs one day and one of the local staff was like, hey, did you know this articles about you in the paper? And the hospital had like published a picture of us <laughs> and written this completely fake story about how, why, how and why we had chosen to give birth in that hospital. So, you know, it doesn't bother us. We kind of just laugh about it. But other people, it's, it can be quite jarring too. So yeah, you got to take into consideration. Yeah. <laughs> figure out for your family what works. Okay, that last one was mine, so we're at your third one. After you give birth, be prepared for the 作业子.
0: So the... <laughs> <laughs> that is my number two.
1: I have that yeah, down as so well. so <laughs> 作业子 is...
0: It literally translates as the sitting month and so it's a cultural piece that Mm -hmm. after you give birth the mother should just stay at home and not do anything I actually have a lot of mixed feelings with the Zoyedza I think there's a lot of benefit Mm -hmm. to this like cultural practice and I love that the family comes around and like takes care of the mother and the baby and I as A breastfeeding counselor. I see this as a huge setup to be able to establish a really good breastfeeding relationship and get them set up for a really good long-term breastfeeding journey. Especially those first few weeks can be extremely difficult. Maybe not extremely difficult. That could be like (laughs) those those first few. Yep. They can yeah. also be,
1: you know, yeah. pretty okay. It just yeah. depends on the person and the situation. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, definitely
0: after giving birth, um, mother can be extremely exhausted. And then trying to figure out this new skill of breastfeeding and caring for a baby, I think it's amazing to have like this community come around and help care for the mother. Mm-hmm. But it can also be <laughs> a little bit overwhelming when you're being told that you can't even get up and take a shower or you're not allowed to brush your teeth or, you know, or go outside right? or go like, outside when actually that is probably what a mom needs yeah. is a little bit of sunshine,
1: <laughs> vitamin
0: D, even a little walk around the, the neighborhood. I'm not, you know, saying you should be running a marathon because honestly, you did just run a marathon. <laughs> Let your body heal. But um, yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about that, too, because and you know, you and I are are very much on the same page. I feel like coming from the West, there's almost like this competition to, to be like, well, how strong are you? I remember reading blogs of people that were like, oh, I pushed the baby out. And then four hours later, I went home and on the way home, I stopped at the grocery store and I bought groceries and then I cooked dinner for my five other children. And I did this and that and everything else. And so, like, that was so built into my way of thinking that I thought, okay, I need to be tough and strong like that, too. And I didn't listen to my body and I didn't take measures to rest after the birth. And there's an aspect of being a foreigner over here you have to get the passport done. And so, That is a little bit of a cultural clash, I feel like for me, because sometimes I'm like, I would love to do a a proper zuoyetze and rest and have people come and cook for me. But I actually have to get on a train or a plane and travel several hours to another city when the baby's like a week or two old to do the passport in order to get the visa done, in order to get the residence permit done. And it was twofold, right? Like on one hand, Mm -hmm. I had this idea of like, oh, well, I can do it. I'm tough and strong. I can be just like my mom and my aunts and everybody else. Mm -hmm. And then there was the other side of it. Like I had to, right? And I physically, you know, suffered. I had a raging case of mastitis with my first. I remember in Beijing applying for the passport. And also, you know, my mom had come over. This is 12 years ago now so like (laughs) before covid when people could travel back and forth easily my mom had come over and she wanted to see some of the sights and stuff and so we're like doing the passport and touring the city and we get on the train to go back to Qingdao and my fever just starts like rising and by the time I got home like my breast was swollen and painful and I was raging a fever and by the next morning I'm in the hospital getting outpatient but getting treatment getting medicine and stuff for that. So like, you know, you don't have to be a superhero, (laughs) but you can also, in my opinion, you can also brush your teeth. (laughs) Another thing that I always like to, (laughs) you were talking about how like it, it can be a lovely thing. And so the way I describe it to people is like, The idea behind it to create this kind of cocoon around mom and baby to allow them to recover and bond and establish milk supply and all of that, like that's really lovely and beautiful. But at the point when it either separates mom and baby, because I've heard of some people say that they were told to just lie down and do nothing and the mother-in-law would take the baby away and give them a bottle of formula. Like Mm -hmm. there's a problem there if you're separating that new mom and baby. And then the second thing is when you're taking autonomy away from the mom. So mom is stuck in this hot room at 28 (laughs) degrees Celsius, at least, right? With no fan in layers and layers and layers of clothes and not allowed to go outside and get some fresh air and see the sun and all of that, Like that's also a problem because we're stripping her of her her dignity and her autonomy. And so again, like you were saying, it can be a really beautiful thing And the idea behind it, I think, is something that we need to build more into. I've heard of Americans say, like, when they hear about the idea of Zulia, that they're like, that's such a wonderful practice. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it really can be. It it can be really great. So it's not like you have to throw all of it out the window. (laughs) Throw out the baby with the (laughs) bathwater. The baby with the (laughs) bathwater. I was going to say that, but I wondered if it was too much of an American term. (laughs) Do other countries (laughs) say that? (laughs) I used a colloquial term like that recently and somebody was like, what does that mean? (laughs) Okay. I just talked a lot on that one. So do you want to give another one? I'll go to a pregnancy one. And that
0: is, I always found that they wanted to do every single test available in my pregnancy. Mm, Why did I not write that down? That's such a good one. So I would – that's what I want to, you know, (laughs) I would say be prepared when you're going to the hospital. They're very, like, high intervention. They want to know every single thing that they can. Yes. And I think there's some background that we could get into, but I don't know if this is the podcast episode that we want to get into why they do that. But (laughs) I think, yeah, just understanding that the doctors, they really like to do all these tests. And I would say – explore that talk to um maybe someone from your home country or get in touch with the doula (laughs) sometimes they are really important and sometimes maybe you can opt out of them
1: yes that's what i was gonna say is that i think that it's okay to you know there's a lot of them that you can say no to i think the more babies I had, the more I said, you know, I just I don't need to have all this information. And yeah, I remember for sure, for sure. <laughs> with my last baby, they were like, but it's included in your package. Like, why would you not have it? And I was like, because I just don't need to have that information. It wasn't something that was important to me. And like you said, there's some cultural reasons that are behind that. And then the other thing is that a lot of it is technology is really mm, yeah. affordable here. And so if it costs. $15 to go down the hall and get an ultrasound another ultrasound why would you not do that is
0: yeah like every time get an ultrasound
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, because it's $15 or maybe less you know usually around 100 RMB at least in my cities yeah so there's a lot that goes into that but expect that they will write up every <laughs> test in the book and do take some time to evaluate those and figure out what you want to have done what's your Ooh. next one Okay, we kind of covered this as far as like the baby, but actually I wanted to expand it to the moms as well that you're never supposed to be cold. All right. And this is more than just like what you're wearing. Mm -hmm. It's also like what you're eating. Yeah, the room that you're in. Right. So you're not whether you're pregnant or have had the baby, you're supposed to wear layers, many, many layers of clothes. Generally, they don't want to have a fan or any sort of draft blowing on you so if the window or the door is open and there's a draft coming in they would be concerned about that you're not supposed to eat cold things or have ice in your drink this doesn't have to do with cold but you're also not supposed to have caffeine they might really (laughs) have a hard time if they see you drinking a cup of coffee and always wear a hat and always wear socks yes is in their mindset i'm not saying you have to do that okay (laughs) saying that's what they think
0: (laughs) so my first baby I gave birth to in Beijing, and so we have government heat. It's just on. It's on, and our apartment was like so hot. It was the winter time, Mm -hmm. and I had just I was just like drenched in sweat and so hot. (laughs) And so we had an IE that came like I don't know, not all the time, but she came in after you know. I was home from the hospital and she gave me the biggest scolding because I wasn't wearing any
1: socks. <laughs> she was like, your feet, you have to have socks on. And I was like, but I'm hot. <laughs> yeah, I cannot stand to wear socks on I'm hot. The interesting thing about it is it's not even just about you today not having socks or being cold. Mm, yeah. It's actually supposed to protect like your longevity in life. Yeah, I remember a little bit feeling like, I can't even like argue against this because they're gonna say, well, no, you're you're just you're gonna have problems when you're seventy five, yeah, right. So I can't like not wear socks yeah. and be like, well, I'm not sick because they're gonna be like, well, when you're seventy five, <laughs> you're gonna get sick. So it's interesting. I I really I haven't ever done it, but I'd really like to look into the statistics of like yeah whether they live longer or not. Like, <laughs> do people that wear socks? <laughs>
0: live longer i'm just curious about yeah. this. i really think there was a friend <laughs> who um from south korea who was saying like their mother was insistent on like if you get cold after you're pregnant then you're gonna have arthritis yeah and like years
1: later she was like my mother was right <laughs> <laughs> there was a nurse that helped a lot of us foreigners back in the day a long time ago and she said to me that she saw all of us not do zoyezza, not do the sit month, and not wear warm clothes. And so when she had hers, that she decided not to do it. She was going to be like the foreigners. And then she's like, and now I'm sick all the time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks for blaming that on us. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting. Okay. That one was mine. You were next one. Yeah. Getting, I think we're getting to okay. the end. Okay. So-
0: I have to mention this because I am a breastfeeding counselor, but something to be prepared is that they're going to say you don't have enough milk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After you give birth, they're going to say, see, look, you don't have any milk. You can't breastfeed.
1: Yeah. For some reason, among a lot of the population, there's a lack of understanding about colostrum, and mm-hmm. which is the first milk, and its importance and like that it's enough. (laughs) And I've I've heard, I have an experience. Did you ever experience this, Jacqueline, where they would like walk over and like literally pinch your nipples?
0: Oh, yeah. They come up and they, you know, like here, you've just given birth. You have this beautiful brand new baby and you're trying to figure out all this, like they're crying and and then they come up and they lift up your shirt and squeeze your nipples. And you're like, ah, that hurts. (laughs) What are you doing? And you're invading my (laughs) privacy, but... (laughs)
1: Yeah, and then then they're like, look, you don't have, or you only have one dropper or whatever. Look, there's no milk. So therefore, you must give this bottle of formula. And again, this is not everybody everywhere. I had pretty good breastfeeding support in um, the hospitals that I gave birth in. So it's not everybody everywhere, but it has come up enough times in our forums, (laughs) in our WeChat groups, that it's really important to mention i would encourage you to take a breastfeeding
0: class read something you know read up on it before you give birth because breastfeeding rates are definitely increasing in china and i've seen a huge difference over the years me too um and so there's a, a push it's just sometimes the education is a little bit lacking in how to support Mm, so they mm -hmm. want to encourage more breastfeeding but they're not exactly sure how to
1: support it and i also like to tell people you know if you feel like you can't afford a breastfeeding counselor or lactation consultant or whatever you know it's never a guarantee but if that person is able to help you to breastfeed longer then you're gonna save a lot of money on formula so You know, you can't say, oh, I'm going to pay this and therefore I won't ever have to use formula. But Mm -hmm. sometimes it's worth it to kind of invest a bit more at the beginning, whether it be in classes or direct support or whatever else, because it could save you money in the long run. Okay, so what's your your next one? I think it's the last one I wrote down. Let's see. Okay, (laughs) this is just an it's just a funny one to me. Everyone will try to guess whether you are having a boy or a girl oh, by the shape of your belly. Yeah. Every person.
0: Or what What are you eating? Like my eye was like, oh, you like sour things? Oh, what are you craving? It's a boy. Oh, you like eating meat? It means it's a girl.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, again, I don't think there's any data to support it. But I think I know every person I've... <laughs> almost every person i passed on the street yeah it it felt like obviously not every person but probably every single day somebody would say oh are you having a a boy because your baby you're carrying all like this way and then sometimes they don't even match like i swear that they said the boy is all out front and a girl is higher Mm -hmm. or something along those lines but then sometimes people will tell me that they were told that it's a fun game (laughs) yep (laughs) (laughs) it is a fun game
0: (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with it it's just something that's funny to me like i have a bonus one okay i think it's maybe not as shocking now because i do hear a lot of you know people are researching it and it's becoming more interesting to do this but i'll tell you how many years ago when i first came to china 2004 right yes 2004 so 18 years ago yeah Back in 2004, when I first came to China.
1: <laughs> We're so old. And I
0: first heard this, I was like, they eat the placenta. Oh, why did I not write this down? <laughs> this is such a good one. <laughs> so I I remember. <laughs> Your answers are so good. When I gave birth to my first, um, he totally looked at me, the doctor, and said, oh, you held up the placenta and said, do you want the placenta? And I just was like. Just the baby is good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, I know in cul- other cultures it is like a cultural thing to eat placenta, but back in America, that was
1: definitely not the culture that I was exposed to, so <laughs> yep, that is a big one. I've always kind of wondered what like they just give it to you in the hospital room. What are you supposed <laughs> to do with it before I you really go home? think I,
0: I I really think you don't get it for free? like it's mine. and so like he's saying do you want this because we'll package it up for you and charge you money for it Um, Mm. which is helpful because Mm -hmm. what in the world am I going to do with it although I have seen people make smoothies with it (laughs) but that was not me
1: (laughs) yeah wasn't ever anything that I wanted to do but I have known people yeah that have really wanted to see if it would help with different postpartum yeah yeah I know there's yeah research they were looking at does it help with postpartum depression yeah there's definitely articles on both sides of the fence so if you are interested in that i do recommend that you do a lot of research and just see if it's what's right for you because i haven't found any definitive research on either side for me it was not something that i wanted to do and so i didn't but i'm very supportive of those who do me too okay any other bonus bonus ones
0: (laughs) no that was my my bonus bonus okay side note i think i kind of covered the last one that i have is just like critiquing how they hold like i would go Mm. i just it was my fifth baby and the lady sitting next to me who i don't even know if that she had a baby was like (laughs) criticizing
1: me how i was like holding my baby oh that's a really good point okay you guys can't see in the video Jacqueline's doing it in the video but we're not publishing these videos because I'm not wearing any makeup <laughs> in the video she's mimicking that she's holding the baby upright and so this is a really good one there is a strong belief that you should only have your babies laid flat on their backs so even when you're holding them and they've they'll even sell you these boards that you can hold have you seen these?
0: Yes, but I do know they would, like, tie a book to the back of their baby's head because they see flat heads in the back as beautiful. Yeah. So they, you know, like, it kind of goes along with the laying the baby on the board so that they have that, like, flat head in the back.
1: Yeah, but it also is supposed to support the spine. So they're convinced that if you hold the baby upright because they're so floppy at that point, right, they don't have a lot of mm-hmm. abdominal muscles, then they're going to end up with scoliosis. Mm. So it's another thing that I'd really like to see research on because we definitely held our babies. I mean, our babies, they hated to be on their backs. Oh, my, my babies. Hate. Honestly, what baby <laughs> likes to be on their back? So They always hated – we were always, you know, bouncing them up on the shoulder and patting their back and yeah. everything and uh, – but. Definitely. That's a, a pretty big no-no. <laughs> I don't know if we need to include this one, but I had a slight bonus one. And that is that, like, if you have more than two children, they pretty much like see you as a superhero. And it's a little bit overwhelming sometimes. Like, they're oh like, oh, you have three children or now it's you have four. <laughs> oh, my guards at my complex, like every complex in china generally apartment complex generally has like Mm -hmm. a gate with guards and they will count how many many children i I haven't heard them do it so much anymore but they count and they're like one two three where's your fourth child like they're just so aware i remember just anytime i go down the street it's like oh One, two, three, four. She has four kids. You know, you get on the bus. One, two, three, four. Everybody counts my kids. So it does help with, you know, learning
0: your numbers. You're just like, (laughs) E-R-Sunga, (laughs) Sangha. Or for for me, like oftentimes I'll go out and I don't have all of my children and they're like, oh, E-R-Sunga, you have three. And I'm like, well, actually I have five, but you know, this one is there. And they're like. (laughs)
1: you have (laughs) Uga. i just don't tell them i lie i'm terrible they say oh you have three and i'm like yes i have three (laughs) you have three boys yep i do i also have a girl but i have three boys (laughs) oh oh you know but this made me think of just the things that you hear all the time like when you step out the door it goes along with the zuoyueza that we did earlier you're not supposed to take the baby outside yes. before. Well, it depends on where you are, but definitely not before 30 days old. And some places Most, not before a yeah, hundred days yeah. old.
0: A hundred days old. And then they can they can go out. And I think that also kind of comes along. I felt like, or, you know, I speculated why my babies had got a lot of attention is because they just don't see tiny babies Mm because then there's no babies that go out before a hundred days old.
1: So, and if everybody's only having one or two children, like you're not going to have much opportunity. You may or may not have a brother or sister, right? A lot of people are single children. Mm -hmm. And so maybe they have a sister, but if that sister only had one baby and she lived in another city, like you might not have seen, right? Like you're not, you're not seeing lots of babies yeah all the time yeah so
0: yeah okay we uh covered a lot this is kind of a I don't know was that
1: five or
0: ten or (laughs) twelve well I have seven I'm writing down on my list
1: (laughs) I have six but a couple of them were or one or two of them was the same as yours I think yeah Hopefully you learned something today.
0: Yeah. And we'd love to hear from you guys. What are your top things that you think are important to be prepared to know when you're having a baby in China?
1: Yeah. I hope that you learned something and were able to enjoy us sharing our silly stories as we laugh. Thanks, Jacqueline. Until next time. Until next time.
0: To turn on this recording. <laughs> Can you come tell me? <laughs> Can you come tell me what button to push? I don't remember.